Ipolitiki the podcast, where we show you evidence for why the personal genuinely is political. For our first episode, we have Dr. Pam Stole Matlangu, who will be helping us unpack what her thoughts are on the coronavirus pandemic, particularly as it affects South Africa. We've seen recently the deployment of Cuban doctors and Cuban medical healthcare professionals into various countries where COVID-19 has adversely affected the ways in which those countries have reacted to COVID-19. So we want to hear from her first-hand experience about what it means to be a healthcare practitioner in the South African context and what effect does this have where we are seeing people being deployed from other countries to come and sort of save um, the population of a different country. Let's hear from Dr. Pam Matlangu. Yes. You're right. You finally got me. You have to do a friend a favor. I'm just doing this for you. Because it's me, of course. You, you, you stopped doing interviews for like two years now. It's been, it's been quiet. I'm not seeing you on any media. Yeah, I'm just doing it because it's you. <laughs> we appreciate Siabong, Siachabon. Um, which is Mumelele Dushuba. Um, tell me something. Gizwe, on your status is about having to bathe first before you get into the house because you need to protect your husband. It's a real thing. Uh, like what? What? What it's does it do? It's a real like, thing. Um, they post, they post play hand sanitizer, or, or what? What's the situation? Well, it's not that bad, but okay. I mean, we're trying to protect ourselves best we can. It's yeah. actually advised also M seven Z me. So like now, I don't wear my ring to work. Oh. I put my phone <laughs> in a like plastic packets. Yeah. And I wear scrubs and change when I get home. I don't touch my husband and I go and have a bath first because it's like Corona can be anyway. And yeah. with us not being quarantined or on lockdown, it then means we need to treat ourselves as though we are constantly treating people with Corona. You know, because mm, okay. everyone walks in, everyone is coughing, everyone has a fever, sore throat. So now, if you if we're not like immediately swabbing a person as soon as you touch them, mm. and you have to touch everyone, you know, as much as we try and protect ourselves. So then, it's just an added measure okay. when you get home. Okay, yeah. and when uh, so far from your knowledge, I'll with a person who might be infected. Luckily, I have not. Hey, and Angita, I just started a, a new job now as a community service officer at Leratong, and yeah. it's not a. It hadn't been a COVID designated area. Mm. We have had uh, patients who have been suspected cases and their results came back negative, but we don't as yet have COVID patients and COVID ward and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I've been fortunate so far. Okay, no, that's cool. Thank you very much for allowing us once again. 
Um, I hope that the next, what, 40 some odd minutes will be fruitful for you as well. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a while since you've been in a public speaking space. I, I was thinking there was one of the questions I was asking you about um, when I sent you the text um, about the brain drain. I don't know if you recall when we were in high yes, school yes. dating Guacolunya, like one of the biggest. <laughs> 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 back to our, back to our brain drain, brain drain for when they were talking about BEE and they were talking about all this stupid stuff. But okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't um, think I understood brain drain as much as I understand it now. But yeah, yeah. Eh? we spoke about a lot of things. Math. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we tried. So if, if people haven't seen or hadn't watched SAPC uh, when you during your graduation years, and um, hadn't been reading newspapers from all over the country. Now, who is she, and and how did she become uh, this this amazing doctor that she now is? We know you're amazing. We don't have to get stats out there, but siyazingo <laughs> one. Okay. Uh- I'm not that famous, eh? First of all, they don't put it out like, you know, everyone is just people, watching TV, they know. People have to Google you. There's stuff that they find. That really find yeah, if you stuff. Google me, you will find me. But I'm just saying, you know, it's not like, oh, no, Pam, we know her. So, Pam Tole Masango is a 27-year-old girl that grew up in Phoenix. And went to school with the likes of Abo Bryani, who's Parmanj. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was just a bit, yeah, confused. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had a very simple childhood, simple schooling, and went on to study medicine. And I've been in, I was in UKZN for six years. I finished my degree in 2017 and then things just blew over after that. Yeah. Um, the story came out that I was working as a domestic worker while I was actually studying in high school and studying to become a doctor. Uh, for me, it was a normal thing, hey? For me, it felt like a holiday job. But yeah. when, and, and like my friends knew that I'm in Pem Ubambi Doho, you know, La Pane, Mount And it was, I think maybe it was a normal thing for them as well. They had adapted to that, uh, no matter how strange it may have sounded initially. But when the rest of the world heard that, wow, this girl just became a doctor and she was working as a domestic worker, is that even possible, you know? Yeah, Mm. so that's how the world met Pam. And I think it was more than anything, such an inspirational story, you know? It was uh, one of those things that uh, you share and you like, did she really do that, you know? Did she really uh, forsake her spare time, uh, forsake maybe what would have looked like my dignity or my integrity to go and wash dishes, you know? Uh, but for me, it was, it was number one, a holiday job. It was a job to get money that everyone needs. And um, 
it was an opportunity for me to see the other world because I've taken so much from that experience, you know, of working Wamlungu and apply it to my personal life, to even my career as mm. I, I'm constantly in touch, in, uh, in contact with people also. And humility, that humility took yeah. me a long way. No, that sounds yeah. it sounds like something I would know. Um, I forgot I forgot what her name was, but uh, and yeah. preparing Christmas meals and whatnot, or going after <laughs> the, the day after Christmas and, and sorting mm. the household out and stuff like that. It was it was interesting to observe. I think at least knowing you taught me a lot about like taking your ego out of like things that you would need to do in order to get where you want to be type exactly. of situation and so yeah. um, especially with a profession like medicine um, there's so much sort of admiration um, and ego um, in, insofar as how people view the profession itself so it was, it was nice mm. to see how you went about things but also knowing who you are man like how pure of heart you, you've been and, and, and continue to be um, and so how do you think the, um, the absence of that ego is helping you to navigate the professional space um, particularly as you come to interact um, with different types of people I know um, I think you may have been the one or I may have seen a tweet from another doctor who's, who talks about how a black doctor in particular, a black female doctor, how they are still white Afrikaans people who mm. would not want to be mm. treated by a physician who is of a different race group, um, or they would question your your actual sure. like capabilities and, and and professionalism. How how has that been for you? Insofar as like, ah, oh, it's. I mean that experience in itself, it just. It really calmed me down walking into this new industry of being a doctor and being admired and uh, having that respect from mm. my own community and even people who don't know me. And I think it's particularly important because in, in the sense that even though we are given that respect, and we are placed on such a pedestal, you know, uh, in the country. As soon as you graduate, you know, people are like, ah, but when you walk into your working, uh, into your working environment, you are at the bottom of the food chain. Mm. And now you have to sort of forget how big you are in Phoenix, you know? and now come down to the hospital that you're working in uh, and humble yourself, number one, to the people that you're working with and be able to do all this work um, that these seniors know that it's not, it's not for them, you know? Yeah. Cleaning up after patients, for example, being the one who collects those urine or sputum samples. And these are things that we do as interns. The world doesn't know about them because they just think, you know what, this girl is a doctor. You know, she, she is doing big things. Yeah. But when you start off, you're not doing those big things. You're not the one making decisions. You know, you have people that you need to respect to make those decisions on your behalf. And then coming to also patients. I think for me, it was quite a big change 
moving from KZN, starting work in Gauteng. Um, KZN, black people, Zulu speaking, all of them, yeah. you know? And I mean, you, I always had that sense of appreciation, even when I used to work in the rural areas, them selling gomangos, you know, and people are always, always excited to have a, a, like a Zulu speaking doctor in mm. the consultation room. And then I get here. I get quickies. Uh, we are speaking Swana, we are speaking Sutu, we are speaking Afrikaans, you know, and you get those challenging patients um those Afrikaner men that wants the real doctor yeah you know yeah. and when they see you as a young black girl they can obviously see that you are the intern you know mm. and they're like no i want the real doctor and you're there you're like no i am the real doctor i'm the doctor who needs to help you with this right now i'm your emergency doctor i am the one who needs to see you before everybody else does you know and having to humble yourself even then mm. and not to lose your cool when 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 people try to take who you are away from you yeah mm. so it's it's really helped it's really helped a lot oh that's great thank you very much for now since i was right <laughs> so as we get into the next sort of segment um you what where are you right now in terms of your professional like like are you past any internship and and so where are you now yes yes so i just finished internship and which was two years and I recently started working at Leradong Hospital, which is in a township called Kahiso mm. in uh, Krugerstorp. And I've started there as a community service doctor, which mm. is another year compulsory to work in the States, that kind of thing. So it's only after this that I can decide which direction I want to spread my wings. Oh yeah, because I remember you were quite good at what epidemiology was it? Epidemiology or some? No, it was it was something to do with the skin. Dermatology. Dermatology, that thing. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting epidemiology. I'm getting the COVID le engenekan. Yeah, epidemiology and COVID. Yeah, same thing. Oh, yeah, no, it. yeah, it's the distinction in dermatology that I got. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, halal. <laughs> so. Um, I know I've heard that UKZN is one of the better um, sort of medical schools in South Africa. Would that would you be in agreement with that? Um, and then, of course, when you walk into the field like that, what is your assessment of like the standard of medical professionals that we have in our country? Um, I know among some of the nice sort of medical uh, so sort of things we can celebrate in the medical field was the whole heart transplant here happening first mm. and and mm. and now that we know it was done by a black guy um but you know <laughs> so it's, it's extra so it's extra exciting um <laughs> so just in terms of your views on like yeah. the standard of medical um, um, practitioners in this country and, and the sector itself mm. to what extent mm. what what's the level of quality or what or where would you rate it I mean we all have more or less the same curriculum right uh, mm -hmm. throughout the board throughout all the medical schools in South Africa I think it's the way in which 
that training is carried out perhaps that is a little bit different mm. the reason why you may hear that um the students in from UKZN do a little bit better than other students is from my thinking and my own exposure as a UKZN student is because of the time that we get to actually work with patients and uh having that practical segments quite early on um because in UKZN we started uh seeing patients from our third year yeah. as opposed to other universities for example I know that uh students start going to hospital from their fourth year you know so you look at those kinds of differences and you can appreciate the fact that if i had seen my first patients and was able to put my theory and my practical side of things together from that point on it really does make a difference yeah. as opposed to seeing them much later in my fourth year and then next year i need to graduate from school you know so i think in terms of also being able to handle patients to have that patient's care and that relationship you know i know you can resident students even now we can tell you we are not scared to touch people because we've been doing it for such a long time yeah. as opposed to someone maybe who's been buried in their books and quite good at the theory you know because we need to grant them that that if for example there's a word drought you know maybe the vet students will answer the uct students will have the answers you know and we'll just be there they quiet but <laughs> we know what to do you know we know our practical stuff really well so there are gaps in in all of the universities i will say um but i think because internship in itself is also still parts of the training yeah. even though you have graduated as a doctor um internship says now let us try and bridge these gaps across the board and give everyone an equal opportunity to try and fill those gaps in so we end up somewhat being on the same level after those two years of internship training okay. yeah and then with with the internship i i guess you know you now working for the clinic um as a community service doctor um and you said it was at least one more year that you're going to be working for the state specifically um mm. is that the same for everyone is it uh three years working for the state and then you are able to do your own thing that that is compulsory we have to do once you graduate you have to do two years and then you have to do a year of community service that's what qualifies you as being an independent medical practitioner so after this three years you can then decide and deciding means do you want to remain in the states as a um, medical officer Do you want to remain in the state uh, as a registrar where you specialize in something um and then become a consultant within that particular department a specialist within that particular department or do you want to leave the state altogether to open your own practice um yeah. and that is the point at which you can but but now I can't just leave and open my practice I don't qualify yeah. to open my own practice at yeah. the moment 
what level of support is provided by the state if you decide that you want to specialize and be a a consultant for the state if you for instance um you want to do something and like dermatology i don't know if there's like mm. a specialization specifically because i know yes, yes, you, yes. you become a surgeon and all of that sort of stuff that's real specialization but oh <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. I'm becoming a dermatologist, by the way. You might have to take those words back. No, of course. Yeah. I need some help. With my, you know, I, need to, I need to make sure that um, Coco is... Uh, is I'm lit with it. Yeah. I'm trying to be like the kid. <laughs> well, yes. Um, I mean, you can only specialize within a state hospital. Mm. You can't specialize in a private hospital so that inherently means that the state is already supporting you within their facility and they are providing you with the the people who have already qualified to train you as someone who is aspiring to be a specialist within that specific department and then also they're providing you their own facilities uh within with their own equipment but there is a portion of money that you have to pay Mm. to be part of the program but most of the money is funded for by the state yeah that's great and then in terms of that sort of specialization um most of it is practical so it's mostly at hospitals and stuff like that 90 percent of the time i would say yes it is very practical because you work you work within the department that you want to specialize in Hmm. you can spend an amount of time from four to five years working within that department and then you have resources that are available to you and then obviously like every other thing you have assignments you have exams practical and theoretical exams for you to be proved worthy or as a specialist in that particular department so but mostly it's it's you working actually on a daily basis because those doctors who are registrars in those departments uh, are still essentially the ones doing the 24-hour calls, the 30-hour calls. It's not that they are not working anymore. They are the the frontliners of that department. They are the ones that see the patients and have to work day, night, but also we're just keeping up with their theory and having to study and read and stuff. Yeah. And so the assessment potentially at the end is also sort of a that whoever your registrar was saying you are good enough to to continue on that course of specialization well it's 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 the board so there's um schools different schools or what do what do what do they call them faculties rather that are in the country that Mm -hmm. make sure that someone is ready to be a specialist within the certain departments. I don't know if you remember um, that whole story about the surgeons yes, from Vets, um, Medunsa. Uh, <laughs> 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 and they were hating on UK exactly. once, I think. Because they were like, how could yeah, it happen? Exactly. Yeah. So like, how, you know, how, how do the Vitsis fail? How do yeah. the Medunsa people pass? And those kinds of things. So those were registrars from their various universities had been working in different hospitals throughout the country, but they come together to write 
one exam you see so that's in the the college of south africa surgeons college of south africa internal medicine specialists and so on and so forth Mm. just maybe i don't know to what extent you can be able to answer this but in your view like globally we are like our our healthcare professionals on par with the global standard um i don't know if you if you're able to make that assessment at this point but from your personal observations and the way in which we've probably been, been handling some of the cases uh, of uh, like different medical conditions. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, there, I would say yes, because mm. number one, there are guidelines that help us to treat patients. And these are guidelines that are available throughout the board whether it's in USA or whether it's in the UK or whether it's in Africa uh we all have access to these guidelines whether we choose necessarily to stick to them by the book or adjust them to our own burden of disease is another question okay. um i saw the other day on 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 your whatsapp you had this new english journal uh where you were talking about uh, <laughs> you know yeah. like the new english journal is something that is known to us you know mm-hmm. we are constantly publishing stuff we are reading stuff from the new english journal and this is this is where people share information this is where doctors share their information with we'll uh we we we've studied this this is the evidence yeah. this medication works this doesn't work so we are on par in the fact that we know that this medication or or these resources rather are available to everyone yeah and we can then adjust that to the needs of our own country so yeah i mean the, the we are on par in that regard i think however we may be lacking in certain things because of the cost of medications um the, the the cost of having that many healthcare workers and uh just in general probably leadership the department of health in itself uh maybe that will that those are where the gaps are mm. but uh the information uh is there you know okay. for example we've just recently started uh rolling out um new ARVs which mm. are supposedly going to work much better than the ones we've been using they're supposed to decrease your viral load at a much faster rate than than the ones that we already had for example this is something that had been available for the past 3 4 years in first world you know mm. but we only have it now yeah. you know but we knew this you know and the drug was available but only for what we call um as a third uh generation drug you know you don't necessarily just go there if you failed the first drug you failed the second drug then you only go to the expensive one you know yeah. to put it some yeah. but it's it's things that we know about yeah okay so just before we get to the department of healthcare and, and the leadership struggles there if you say we're on par in so far as like our professional standards and all of those sorts of things indaba abaholi bethu bekhetha ukuyo um sizakala kwezi indawo when they are when they not when not when they not happy with their health care why do they choose to go to russia and uh, what scandinavian countries and all of that sort of situation <laughs> i mean you know be 
there are so many things are you talking now about healthcare professionals or are you talking about the leaders themselves wanting no the leaders the leaders are the ones who just go when they when they when they when they when, when they're not feeling well they maybe they solo to buy poison you they just go to russia and other countries they don't they do they not trust us is it a case of Clampett just is is it not a case is it's not it's not an indictment on the healthcare professional as such but more so Clampotti abatembi mundu just in general not necessarily just mm. our level of care mm. I think maybe it's just not wanting to trust their own level of care really mm. or maybe there are certain things that they know about that maybe we don't know about because as far as professionalism and um having certain things we are under control with that yeah. uh, but i think it's also the thing of private versus public sort of thing you yeah, know yeah. why why would you not find your minister in a public hospital when they have created that system you know mm-hmm. why are you finding all of them in private hospitals what is it that they are running away from something that right. they've created a, a system that they have created and said you know what guys this works let's do it but mm. you will not find them there you will not find their children in a public school why mm. you know because these are the systems that they've created but somehow um they don't trust them enough that it would work for them yeah. but it must work for the rest of the, of the South African population yeah. yeah so i i don't think that it's warranted really to seek outside uh, help or go to these other countries that supposedly are doing better than us it's just a matter of our leaders not trusting their own systems mm. in terms of what you've just brought up the whole sort of private and public uh the existence of two different sets of standards or two different types of of care for different population mm. based on class um would you as just as on a personal note what do you, why do you think gems allows for people to go to to private doctors which is a government employees medical scheme why does it <laughs> why does it permit people to not use government services Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm a member of Gems, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a member of Gems, okay? What's your what's your first what's your first priority? Like do you go to your local clinic or do you go to the to um, um, uh, I won't name them but some life and net care and whatnot? Mm, mm. It's it's mm. crazy. Honestly, hey? I I I I I do not use the own healthcare system that I work in as well. Yeah. Um not necessarily because I don't trust it. I mean I'm a doctor working in the public healthcare system. I trust myself, I trust my colleagues. Um maybe what I'm looking for is comfort. Um maybe what I'm looking for is uh respect. Maybe what I'm looking for is um I don't know a place that is clean you know it sounds like it's really small things but we know that these are some of the main um issues mm. and in whatever it is really i think essentially as as a person even if you go to a restaurant comfort applies to you you don't mind paying for it you yeah. know it's the same thing then if 
I had to go to a public hospital and I have to sit in a queue for four hours before being seen. I don't want to wait in a queue, you know, and I can afford to pay to not wait in the queue. And I think those are essentially all the things that we pay for when we choose private over public. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's 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 understandable. Uh, <laughs> we understand um, that you have the ability to opt out. Uh, it's interesting, though, for me how one of the some of the first few hospitals to be problematic um, in relation to COVID nineteen were private hospitals, specifically here in Devon. Um, yeah. Um, but of course, we know that. Uh, part of the trajectory of the the, the the disease itself was people who had likely access to travel and, and sort of brought this thing in. So it's most likely mm. people who had the ability to go to private hospitals. Yes. And stuff like that. yes. So, so yeah. Um, and as we move on to the next segment, it says, uh, unemployed doctors. <laughs> Yeah, parallel to unemployed doctors. Because <laughs> it's just like what you guys studied for six years. Um, when you when when you're done studying, you know you're guaranteed in what December of your graduation year it'd be mm. able to mm. be parked outside. Because <laughs> you know um your credit um line seems quite significant. But then uh we've been hearing what's connoted what how does that happen? How is that a thing? So I think maybe let me first explain what happens mm, after we qualify. Yeah, yeah. So you're in your final year, um, post open, and we have to log on into uh, the Department of Health site to be able to apply uh, for uh, internship posts. Mm. So now remember when I'm saying that it means that we are not filling in a CV, mm. we are not going in for an interview. interview yeah. We are just filling in our names there. You choose your five hospitals that you would prefer to go to and they know in order of your preference which one is uh, do you want the most mm. and then you wait for a response. So then it takes about two weeks or so uh, by mid-December, you get a response and it says, okay, uh, PP's toilet is placed in this hospital. Do you accept or do you decline? Mm. And then you can decline maybe because you may have not gotten your first or your second choice because uh, it, it is possible that you are placed in, for example, Umalanga when you did not have any of your five options written there in Umalanga. Yeah. It's possible that you may be placed far away from your family or your kids or whatever it is. So those are some of the reasons why then we decline those posts. Yeah. There is also something else called um, second rounding when once everyone has been placed, there are certain people who are not placed. This uh, is something that we don't know why happens. We don't know whether it's directly related to the amount of people that applied and then the amount of posts they are actually uh, to fill uh, and to be occupied by interns, but it does happen. 
but eventually after like a month or so after waiting at home you do get placed mm. and at the end of the day interns have to get placed comms has to get placed because it's an obligatory uh, time for you to serve the state yeah. so they can't keep you waiting when you have to serve them kind of thing so that's the same way in which comsub works so now that i'm working as a comsub doctor i still have not sent in any cv uh, nobody has heard me vouching for myself to get a job it's still the same process mm. but afterwards uh, when we get into medical officer registrar posts you then have to apply it's still via department of health post that is where we see what posts are available and then uh, you send in your application but then you have to go to that particular hospital for example in that specific department you are interviewed by the HOD and then obviously interviews you either get the job or you don't get the job So those are some of the things that we just need to iron out mm. before we start. So the issue then becomes when number one there are posts that are frozen uh by the state mm. and they do that mostly because they say they don't have funding for uh for the salaries of those doctors, you know, which is one of the greatest issues because you train us for 6 years you want us to work or at least you say you want us to work mm. but now there is no money to pay us you know yeah. then that's the greatest issue really of having post frozen uh by the state so we can't work the yeah. second issue is then that's of us rejecting posts either because those those posts are far away from home uh far away from family and all of those sort of things so there are a lot of issues involved around unemployment uh but the greatest one is that of post being frozen uh post co- uh post is then the issue of actually getting a post in the department that you want to work in you know with the whole interview process you know will the hod give you the post will they not is this the department that you want to be working in for the rest of your life and you find that a lot of people end up accepting posts maybe just because they are nearer to home but it's not necessarily um something that they'd like to pursue mm. in the future yeah okay and and in terms of accepting posts that you are necessarily sort of happy with uh so when they're like probably mali like an income to um, i mean debit orders need to be paid yeah, you know yeah and you know with with like already having been in the system like for well, me i now, always yeah. feel like um how many options do i have mm. you know if i said i am now choosing a different career path in its entirety uh after these six years after these two years of training after this one year of community service how many options have i really left myself with if i'm not going to be a doctor or if i am not going to work at all 
you know um there are other options there that are available i mean uh, some doctors who are not placed in states or don't go on to uh, uh, become registrars or don't go on to open their own practices they end up working for sasa you know those doctors that give you disability grants you know that uh, check you know yeah, there are some, some perfect to work There's some, you know, there's some issues with doctors, doctors eh, that uh, <laughs> I've heard so many stories about those types of doctors just saying umuntu bembona ukuthi akana nkinga and just saying because the state has the money and you probably because yeah you know you are here now yeah, you know here. and I'm not the one giving you the money exactly yeah, it's not coming so... from my pocket so <laughs> there, there is that option um you can choose to work um under medical aids as a, as an advisor you know for certain yeah. uh, medical problems related to claims and stuff like that you can choose to work in a mine and just work as an occupational health practitioner you know there are lots of things that you can do but um it's all still within medicine you know and within the medical field yeah, yeah. and those options sometimes don't seem like i've wasted or I, i'm not let me not say wasted but I've, i've i've put in so much of my time for me to only become this sort of secondary exactly thing. yeah 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 because yeah, everyone everyone is aspiring about. to to be like how how do you spend six years studying and then it just ends there you mm. know mm. and here we were in school thinking oh my god i've just spent six years this is it and you get out there into the world and you realize you are nothing you are a yeah. nobody and for you to really become something within uh, the medical fraternity it means then you need to study another four years another five years for you to even become a specialist and even then you are not that important because i mean a lot of people are specializing so you are just a, a, a normal specialist you know but we need you to be a sub specialist and all of it it really doesn't end yeah. yeah um that process so the process of graduating how prepared are you for the potential of you not making it like when you when you graduate at at, at year six, how has are there systems at university um to prepare you for the potential that you listen you might not end up where you want to be but maybe to say it's still worth putting in the time regardless think there are systems in place eh? not at all because mm. i think it's such a those six years in itself are so long they require so much of your time they require so much of 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 your own um i don't know your energy even um so even though we are thinking beyond that i don't think the university itself or the curriculum prepares you for anything beyond those six years yeah it's really only after you are in the working world when you realize what you know what i i need to be better or do better but i think a lot of people may also choose to to just not uh want to uh study any further because of the direction in which they feel their lives uh, are going in for example i'm also asking myself the same question you know do do i want to become a specialist mm. and why yeah. you know yeah. do do i want to raise children and be a mom who's available to them 
um, and then also be specializing at the expense of probably not being available on some of those days. You know, imagine having a two-year-old and me being away for 24 hours and 30 hours. I'm not sure if I want that for myself, you know? And I think a a lot of people, especially a lot of women, um, are just deciding to remain as GPs or medical officers because they feel like they can't do everything uh, do uh, all these things that are expected of them yeah. and still be able to do both of them well. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough, man. Uh, I feel for you. <laughs> no, Gunzi, yeah, no, it, it, it sounds it sounds pretty difficult. And and then in, in terms of the support networks that you have as doctors um, or as interns in the medical space, I know that. The potential with placement is that you you leave your comfort zone, which was Ama Girls uh, for you, for instance, the girl group that you would have had at varsity. Um, yeah. And then them sort of being deployed in different places, either not yeah. necessarily out of choice, but just out of circumstance that you couldn't all have gotten your first choice to be the same thing type of situation. Mm. Or the fact that they have families in different provinces, so they would mm. much rather, having been away for six, six, six uh, years, much rather go and work closer to home um or just for the fact that i don't have to pay rent when i'm at home um so i'd like to start yeah. off in that sense um what how have you felt that is is there support beyond family um does does a profession provide an opportunity for you to say um i need a session to, to get counseled for an hour of, mm. on a weekly basis because of the you know the the trauma of being mm. in space the shock of it mm. or i need uh, a week off because of i'm just i'm just not coping with the whole 30 mm. hour calls and stuff like that mm-hmm. no uh there's no such support <laughs> <laughs> there is no such support um i think however within uh, the departments that we are rotating to or through um, those uh, consultants and our seniors they try uh, to say you know what guys if you're not coping with something if you need help if you need to speak to someone uh, you can come speak to us yeah. but there's no um, set structure perhaps you know mm-hmm. you don't have that um psychologist somewhere down the corridor of the hospital who's waiting to listen to our issues and uh, hear us break down after watching our first patient die you know after watching children die and all of these things happen there isn't such a, a structure within hospitals there isn't such a structure that is set by the department of health there isn't such a structure that is set by the south african medical association even or by the council of health professionals but um i think within departments individuals try and be that help but Mm. i think more than that we need to be the ones that find our own help so we end up just forming groups you know as interns as doctors uh, friends really you know colleagues who are really just becoming friends and family uh i mean we we used to stay in uh, the doctor's quarters you know and uh, that is where we try and find um 
that sort of environment to relax after work try not to talk about work or talk about work and vent you know and say you know what guys i had a bad day yeah and i tried my best the patient still died i'm leaving the whole thing you know or at least that's what we say but we're still here you know yeah. but um yeah we we provide support to each other um and it's 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 it is really helpful i know like we even started a whatsapp group with my girls that i started internship with and it's still there even now we still vent be like you know what girls i can't take this my senior just said this to me um or this just happened or a mom abandoned her baby and what not and all of those things and the support is the one that we we provide for ourselves yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think there's a need to make it more sort of institutionalized so that the department and the councils and so forth or do you think at the at this point in time uh you you're you're, able, you're capable enough of navigating in what in one way or the other just in general from what you've observed um you know what i think there is a role for it i really think there is a role for it because i mean we also have different personalities mm. and there may be people who may not just necessarily get on uh, with the people yeah. next to them exactly you know so maybe knowing that there is a particular avenue or a psychologist or whomever that you can speak to would help because um we had a lot of people in in my time in internship in these past two years that had breakdowns you know uh that had to be admitted even to hospital that had to take time out from internship that decided you know what i'm taking a break i'll come back next year yeah. so there is a need there is a need for a support system uh that has some sort of structure um but i think that also in the same breath i don't know if it's just me but healthcare professionals they are not necessarily very willing to seek those avenues yeah, you so, know so doctors I mean, don't I've, make I've been, patients <laughs> i've been to a psychologist myself you know yeah. i had a quite a few sessions and the whole time i just felt like you know what I, i know what this lady is going to ask me <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> no i hear you i hear so you so it it it, <laughs> it 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 feels unreal feels very plastic just mm. feels also fake from the textbook um but maybe having it available to some people yeah who may decide to use it okay. would be a good thing it's very insightful you you're doing great by the way Uh, <laughs> um and then and then of course according to Angie Mojeka she was saying code the whole time uh, she was the um Cubans to the rescue uh we are we have we were, we were planning for 187 i think about 240 something of them came through, yeah. um to to serve us to help us out in our time of need to help us like, yeah. why, why are we complaining when people are here to help they're here to help dog um and so yeah why are we complaining what's the issue <laughs> I, I... No, it's, let me not be angry <laughs> okay I, i'm aware that you're also nursing a relationship with your employer here 
so I, I, I need to answer my questions quite tactfully. Let me not be angry, yeah. But I think there are a lot of issues around this, and we are not entirely sure which view or which uh, perspective or response to certain issues and questions has been the right one. Mm. Um, the first issue is that of did we need the help and did we need the help to come from Cuba you know and did we need to spend so much of money uh, in this time of crisis Mm. to get this help of which um, our representative body the South African Medical Association was under the opinion that they were not consulted Mm. um as 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 a body of all doctors you know and how 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 do you do that as a department how do you do that as uh the office of the presidency to just decide which you know what guys we need more manpower when you haven't even spoken to the people on the ground or the people representing the people on the ground Mm. uh for them to say you know what we are not coping with one, two, and three. We are not coping in the research departments. We are not coping in the communities or at a ground level, frontline level. Therefore, we need help. Yeah. So that is the first discussion that should have happened. And maybe having that discussion between Department of Health and SAMA and and then the Office of the Presidency would have uh, probably made us to not ask so many questions right now. Yeah. So that discussion did not happen. So now people are here and <laughs> we are paying, we are paying for their flights. We are paying for the accommodation. Mm-hmm. We are paying even for their transportation. Yeah. Uh, we are paying, or oh, some people say we are paying for their salaries. Mm. There are other thoughts that are saying, no, it's actually the Cuban government that is paying for the salaries of these Cuban doctors. So I I do not want to lean on any one answer for that. But the truth is, South Africa has to spend a lot of money to have these people here. Mm. And we then have to ask ourselves the question of who are they and what is it that they are providing? Yeah. So there are apparently epidemiologists, biostatisticians, uh, and when we use those terms, we are basically referring to research people, the ones that are going to help us understand the trends and what are we expecting to see, where, which are the communities that are most affected. You know, they look at the graphs and they make us understand how is the spread of disease going. So that is what they are supposedly coming to do well the majority of them there are some of them who are going to be working at um, a more ground level and seeing patients so we have then issues with both those groups the research group and then the ground group Um, with the research group we are saying did we not have our own researchers Mm. and if we do, and I know we do, were they not um, enough, you know, 
where yeah. their skills not enough to address uh, this current COVID situation, of which we believe that they are and they have been good enough to this point thus far from the time that we had started this whole thing in March till now, you know, there's there has been sufficient information and uh, strategies in place, you know, uh, to try and fight or curb the virus. But now all of a sudden there is a need to outsource. So we don't know to what extent our own people had been used, you know, had we exhausted them, had we exhausted our own resources. And I think we were really not at that point as yet. And then also um, to the people who will be working on the ground. That has more issues because number one, in just at a basic level, Mm. there's a language barrier, you know? Already for me as a Zulu girl coming to work in Gauteng and now having to speak in uh, Sutu, I've got my own issues, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now, as a Cuban doctor who has to now go work in KZN at a ground level, will you be mm. able to communicate with your patients adequately enough, you know? And then more than that, we look at um, the South African burden of disease. Um, in Cuba, we know that their problems are not the same problems as the, the, the ones that we face in South Africa. Yeah. And the truth is, everyone in South Africa is HIV positive. Everyone in South Africa has TB until proven otherwise. You walk into a hospital, that is what we test for first. If you are coughing, I, you have TB, yeah. you know? That is, that, is, that is the standard for us. And that is not necessarily the standard for Cuba, you know? Mm-hmm. So with all of that in mind, how are they going to approach um, our patients? Will they be able, if, if the, our department or, 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 or if our government is saying um, Cuba has these skills and they know so much um, maybe about containing Corona, you know, will they, be, will they then be able to treat our patients who will have coronavirus and then have HIV and TB all together on top of the diabetes, on top of the hypertension. So we are not so much um, um, not wanting the help per se, but there are certain things that we are questioning uh, about whether are they relevant for our healthcare system. And then also, did we have to seek that help while we also know that there are people who are unemployed, you know? Mm. And the discussion about unemployment, yes, I understand it's a different level altogether that is unemployed in South Africa. And uh, the, the people who are coming from Cuba are supposed to be specialized or, you know, they have other sorts of skills rather than just me and my colleagues who are just, you know, normal undergraduates, you know? But, um, there are people who have those skills in the country who are available to help, may have probably retired, but 
uh, they have not been asked to come to the fold to assist, you know. Yeah. And so those are the real concerns uh, that we have with Cuba coming to help us. And um, it's it's really also a question of is this not um, a political decision? You know, why does it have to be Cuba who comes to help us, you know? And a lot of people say that, uh, you know, Cuba has been doing well. Uh, it's only like 3% of the population that is infected, blah, blah, blah. But they don't even have that many people in their country. You know, they have to like one-fifth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. have like one-fifth of our population, you know, they, mm. but they still have over 1,500 cases, you know. And us, mm. with so many more people, we have 5,000 cases. We are almost on the same level. And actually, we are probably doing better than them, you know. Yes, it's, it's really more of a, it's more of an issue of um, who was consulted, yeah, and who 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 said that this is what. <laughs> I think this is an issue that we have with government, anyways, uh, in general. So it's interesting no. when it comes to such a, um, a specialist trade such as you know medicine which is which is problematic because i would i would lean I, my assessment also is that the bulk of the numbers based on the graph that we were shown um, yeah just based on deployment plan for of these cuban uh people the bulk of them will be doing sort of treatment um so ground exactly. grass, gra- ground level stuff and at this point i haven't heard a case for arguing why we need to ramp up treatment of COVID patients um, because we haven't gotten to the place where we there's a, a genuine understanding of how to treat outside of the fact that you know exactly. we, have to, we have to treat like symptom per symptom, um, mm. which is which every doctor will do anyways, uh, regardless of which country they're from. Um, and those doctors who would be on the ground level are sitting at home anyway. Yeah, so why do we, do we need that bulk, right? So outside of the research stuff, the significant majority of the people are people that will be doing the face-to-face thing. And as you say, yeah. that there's a gap already in terms of um, language. There's a gap in terms of the types of diseases and, 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 and yeah. treatments that they'll administer on the basis of their population versus our population. Mm. So, so it's, it, yeah, so it, 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 it's, 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 it is mind-boggling. Um, but in terms of our own sort of research capabilities, um, what do you think we need to ramp up on, like right now? Um, I know people are saying testing, but what does that actually mean for you, um, as from a medical perspective, in terms of our the, mm. the level at which we are in terms of testing, and and then of course in part, are we doing enough? Is this is this reduction to level four, for instance, advisable? Are you scared? Are you more scared now than you were before? Um, mm. And how long can we genuinely be under lockdown for up until the point? Because uh, there will be a spike. So so, so, so the way I understood things, uh, if you're looking at, I think it was the Spanish flu, uh, or it might have been some, some, some other issue uh, that happened mm. in the States where 
one state sort of was able to control infection by doing the whole lockdown situation but as soon as they ended the lockdown so they their lockdown lasted longer than other states mm. those states lost more lives initially um but mm. the state that kept people under lockdown lost a similar amount of lives but over a gradual period of time mm. um of course they were able to treat more people much more readily because of the fact that mm. what's the best way forward <sighs> i i don't have the right answer to this unemployed there's a whole economic yeah. purely yeah. on a health basis what should we be doing It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one actually. I I was watching a um a discussion by the US doctors. Mm-hmm. And uh they are um, like family physicians and stuff. So they were discussing um the role of continuing a lockdown process, you know, and uh bringing us back to like basic uh science basic microbiology and immunology concepts mm. so what they had to say was and they used very good examples as well was if someone for example has chickenpox which is highly contagious um you don't quarantine the whole community mm. you take that person away and uh they go into self quarantine or they go to get treatments or whatever but you don't necessarily close down the whole streets you don't close down that whole community because there's this person who has chickenpox yeah and they and they say the reason behind that also is because um in itself uh people need to have immunity to some extent uh that is the reason why um whenever even the flu season comes up we don't stay in our houses and we hide ourselves we know that you even if you get the flu at least you will then be immune uh for the rest of the flu season for example so now when we then take up the lockdown position of doing things so they are saying that even though there was a role for it initially to try and flatten the curve yeah um if we continue in this direction are we not perhaps um decreasing immunity that people would have gained on their own by being exposed by being outside you know but now like with this constant washing of hands staying at home we are now taking a healthy group of people and we are not exposing them to all of these different bugs and viruses and bacteria and when they eventually come out they become sick because they weren't exposed so that's a school of thoughts that's currently out there i understand it's on a basic sciences level but it's um it's a difficult thing when we get to a virus that we know will kill you you know uh it's a difficult thing <laughs> chicken pox may not kill you yeah yeah it's a very difficult thing when we get to a virus we know will kill you we know uh the damage that it has done in spain in the us and so on and so forth so we may not even though it sounds uh, very practical it, it it's understandable but it may not necessarily work and i don't think it may necessarily work at the moment i mean 
last week when the president said there there is level four as of yesterday already people you you could see that people felt like you know what it's over guys mm. you know there are pictures we are seeing in western cape slash wuhan already people are just they are back to life you know yeah, yeah. and that is that is a risk because we haven't had a time or a day since uh this pandemic started where we said today we haven't had a positive case mm. we haven't had you know there was that time when when china did so well that they had like five days straight without having a positive case and south africa hasn't arrived we have not arrived you know at all for us to have said we can now open yeah. shop you know yeah. um because what is going to happen is that we are going to get a spike we are going to have more infections we will have more deaths regardless of the fact that we're trying to save the economy you know we are expecting that when people come out when people are in contact uh we're going to have an increase in the virus of which um i feel like if we were going to um adventure or venture into such a thing uh we should have had a clearer idea of what it is that we have in place um if we are saying we are going into level 4321 you know of which we do not have a vaccine we do not have a proven drug that works you know so you are already increasing um the burden of 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 the healthcare system uh but uh not having a plan as to what it is that you have put in place now that it is obviously going to increase yeah and then the we don't and it it, it doesn't feel like to me that we have actually gotten to the place where we've increased our capacity to test even um because no. there was a schedule that went out i think a week back about these home visits that are going to happen mine was supposed to happen on the 22nd of april there's been no knock on my door uh <laughs> i just in terms of just screening not even testing because screening the screening first and then there's testing yeah and yeah. only certain people yeah. will go for the testing post screening so like it doesn't feel like we've gotten to the point where we can we 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 actually feel comfortable with expanding mm. our 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 mm. testing capacity so even we are not at that point at all because i mean like even um my colleagues and i were having that discussion on friday uh that we should probably be testing all healthcare workers you know uh because uh we are the ones or actually all essential workers rather because yeah, yeah. we've been outside we've been exposed everybody else has been home and apparently uh safe you know but what about all those people who have been outside and have continued to work mm. uh so in the meantime Pam thinks she's fine because she's not coughing but she has already spread uh the virus to 50 100 people that she has come in contact to in the time that she's been working you know and um we we our government has i don't know if they haven't thought about that i don't know if they haven't um 
uh, or, or, they, or will they say they don't have the capacity to do that? But I mean, the Cubans can come and test us when they arrive. I mean, when they start working after their quarantine period. There'll be more than enough manpower then, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I really think it's an important thing that we continue to screen, we continue to test, we test all essential workers. And because um, even the screening, you know, yeah. people like now we get screened uh, when we walk into the hospital. Uh, it's a good initiative, but I think some of the questions now, they are not that relevant. You know, people are still asking us, have you traveled in the right. past 30 days? Just like, guys. Wow, how old are I meant to travel? <laughs> <laughs> like, guys, I can't even go to KZN. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Travel where, you know? Um, so probably even the people who are doing the screenings, I don't know whether they are not... Uh, doing them mindfully so you know there's just a whole lot of people that are just being deployed to do screenings they are just asking questions you know, Checkbox so there's a lot of work yeah there's a lot of work that still needs to someone is being paid for screening so they must tell that money they must enjoy it. but that's my view not yours dr pam uh, <laughs> um, no that's 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 very insightful i think so, in terms of, I don't know what, what the, the stats are in terms of how fast the tests are coming back, even after you've tested as well. Because at some point, it was a, you, people were waiting a whole week before they got their test results because of just how difficult it was for the labs to deal with mm. the content mm. happening at the time. Um, so, it's taking about 24 to 48 hours now. So, yeah. we're testing people and hoping that within two days... We have a result and we are saying that while people wait for the result they should still be in quarantine but wait yeah because the moon and and all of those sorts of things and they go home anyway exactly. um, and, and also yeah. this whole the problem with this thing with this virus and this disease is that it's a contact thing it's not necessarily you don't even have to touch the person but if you touch mm. the same surface, if you touch the same mm. knife and mm. fork and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think, wow. What are, what are your, what, what do you hope for in the next sort of couple of months um, from, from, a, from, a, 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 from a, someone who's working in the, in the field um, and as someone who has family members and so forth who um, you don't potentially have cover for them with James Yako? Um, people who are essential services workers themselves that not that aren't necessarily doctors, um, and just maybe generally for the rest of the country, how, how do you hope things sort of unfold? I yeah. know things will so unfold putty, putty with around, more yeah. cases. <laughs> you look so sad now. <laughs> no, it's like you are asking me of my hopes. I know what is going to happen. So What's what I hope happen, for. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like, we know. We know, we're going to have a spike in cases. Yeah. Um, we know that uh, there's going to be a greater burden on hospitals. There's going to be a greater burden on healthcare mm-hmm. workers. Um we know that the system is really about to go down 
now yes. it's about to go down. Even the hospitals that are not necessarily um, allocated to be COVID treating hospitals, um, they will have patients who have coronavirus, whether they like it or not, and whether they are capable of treating those patients or not, whether they have uh, ICU support and that kind of thing. But um, because even though we are screening people, we are not screening them adequately, as I said, yeah. and that people will walk in. It's not going to be, um, now it's not going to be really a thing of it's defined. You know, you can see this person as Corona. You know, people will be walking in looking like TB ending up as Corona. You know, that is what is going to happen. And um, that's what we need to be prepared for. From our side, um, as individuals, we can only do our best uh, in terms of protecting ourselves. Um, in the hospital environments, whether that is available or not, because PPE is a different discussion altogether, yeah. and we don't quite have it, you know. Uh, we're seeing every day on the news, ah, they are sponsoring this PPE, they are sponsoring, they are sponsoring. Somewhere on the highway, uh, but it's not there. Uh, it's not accessible to a lot of us. We have to make do. Uh, we have to uh, try and protect ourselves, get home and try and sanitize ourselves. So it's going to be more on an individual level really. Um, Okay. To okay. try and to try and do our best for ourselves, and we can only encourage that our family members uh, will be able to do the same. Because I mean, the South African system—I mean, the 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 way South Africa is—you can't ask someone in a one-bedroom house to quarantine, like where you know. Even if I I I would have wanted to probably not be here with my husband because that was the other things that were being advised you know like mm -hmm. stay in your garage you know don't stay inside the house but um we we can't do that you know we don't have a separate shower and then he has his own shower same thing with the people at home if you have flu symptoms you can't necessarily tell people to now self-quarantine mm. but you would hope that whatever measures that they can um they can implore will work you know yeah. but at the end of the day um i i also i also think that um because of the predictions that were initially there uh, the scientists had predicted that 36 million of the population will have coronavirus by September. And, you know, right now we're just starting May. Yeah, We've got a long way ahead. And with us trying to loosen down restrictions, it's going to happen. It's yeah. not going to get better. Yeah, so we have a long road ahead of us and I don't think it's looking good. And it's and it's not clear yet whether there's there's people who are naturally, um, who have natural antibodies to this specific mm -hmm. thing. So you can't mm -hmm. say, I'll be safe, like, so I can do whatever. There's no such, I mean, it's a, it's a new thing for everyone, even uh, for the scientists, I guess, that are the ones like working on this and trying to figure out how this affects our immune systems and who is affected the most and who isn't. So um, we'll have to just go along the way learning and just knowing new stuff and just adapting to whatever it is uh, as the time goes on. But yeah, yeah, it's about to go down. That's <laughs> a shoot. <laughs> Did you, do you feel, I, 
how prepared do you feel on a personal level like did you at what point did you ever think like did you ever imagine that there would be a time i know you were still studying when the whole ebola crisis was happening yeah 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 east africa and so forth but did you ever imagine yourself in an environment like this like how like to what extent did you guys sort of sit in your bedrooms at res talk about such, like the potential for something of this nature to happen never imagine yeah <laughs> <laughs> like never i mean even like during ebola times i mean like even now even now be like when corona started in wuhan people were still singing corona corona we, yeah. we didn't it was near but we didn't think that it would hit us and that it would hit us this hard you know i, I don't think that anyone um has ever imagined being in this time you know with the pandemic so great mm. and also just having everything on lockdown like I want to buy a car like but I can't you know yeah. things are rough Let's go now but like I, say, why I'm I, I can't do anything hmm? why tell Malin <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy it but that's why it took me so long oh, I'm joking Ow. I'm joking well done congratulations <laughs> on the license um delay the buying of the car for as long as possible i don't know if it's uh, how, how is it is it, is it is it are you still able to get like to and from uh, uh for work because i uh, is it's it, far it so it's far with your man just like yeah. 25 minutes to get to yeah. work now wow hmm hey and then so, and when you get there exactly and like it the money taxifying to work every day is not working out for me Ah, you taxify. Ooh, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, level, level. All right. I've only been doing this for five months, so we level one already. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> the, fruits the fruits of your labor, come on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I guess it does work out in terms of the cost of it. Would I? Yeah. Just, just get a car instead of spending this money on something that I don't have the potential to own. Um and in general uh closing Janum Demi how's 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 the having Giazo to come in here but how how are you guys coping with 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 everything just in general and how 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 able are you still to be connected with your with your family in Durban I mean I I, I try call my mom every 2 3 days she's mm-hmm. good uh my siblings are fine uh yeah and my husband and i have been good also uh it's just this thing of not being able to do things as we know them you yeah. know because yeah. currently even in imotele ekhona lanjini uh we had a problem with it uh ihlela garage i said i could have been using that car to get to work but uh because it also needs us to go to VW which is also closed but opening on monday mm. fortunately um so yeah it's yeah and not getting paid for the first time in like two and a half years because i was at home remember yeah oh yeah um, uh, yeah how, how many months were you at home a month or two it was just a month so oh. i just started work last week yeah. yeah so yeah it's been tough but i guess um we will cope yeah 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 we will cope <laughs> 
All right, Gabungakul, um, for your time. It's been way over the amount of time that we had estimated, but you were able to give me that time uh, and, and, and engage. Uh, you, you, you speak very well. Uh, not like how but from a position of uh, a bit of a problem you don't even know what they were whether they were admiring you or it was just like mm, for a black person um, you know what guys you what it was. just leave um, the to compliment someone exactly I'll see again but it, I, I was speaking specifically about the the nature of the work and, and, and where we need to sort of head to as a country I appreciate um you allowed me this time um given it is an intrusion in your in your in your family life but i'm glad to have uh, gotten the opportunity to speak to you you're welcome babe.